This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To start your free 14-day trial, visit shopify.com. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actual tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. In this episode, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that started doing CrossFit to get into shape, and then she ended up inventing a product for CrossFit athletes. In this episode, you'll learn why it might be dangerous to look at your numbers every single day, that if you spend less time planning and more time taking action, things start to fall into place, and how she used Facebook groups to get her first sales. Today, I'm joined by Danielle Pettifor from HandbandPro.com. That's H-A-N-D-B-A-N-D-P-R-O.com. Handband Pro is the first and only gloves for CrossFit to prevent blisters and rips with total hand freedom. It was started in 2014 and based out of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks, Felix. It's good to be here. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your, your store and what are some of the most popular products that you sell? Uh, well, my flagship product is the Handband Pro and um, I have been adding some other things and I've got some athletic wear in the works, but my biggest thing and the thing that's mine is the Handband Pro, the fitness grip. Cool. Yeah. So how did you um, get into creating products for, for CrossFit? Like what's your background? How did you get involved in, in that, uh, I guess, it, that uh, category? Okay, so, well, basically, I was sedentary my entire life. I never played sports. I wasn't involved in anything athletic at all. Um, and before um, all of this, a background is actually in education and food service. I actually, out of high school, I started managing an ice cream store, and I worked there for 27 years. And during that 27 years, I also got my teaching degree and taught elementary school and middle school for 13 years. And um, I consider myself a home business junkie because um, I joined practically every like direct sales business out there because my, my original goal was to stay home with my kids. I have three boys. And so looking at all these different ideas, I believed in the model and I love the startup kit. So I would join all these companies and um, it took me 20 years to realize that I was spending more money building someone else's dream than finding my own success. So I stopped, all of that cold turkey, which is probably a relief to all my friends because, you know, when you're in direct sales, you're always approaching your friends first. So, um, but basically I was scooping ice cream and I was teaching school, but I always had um, the thought that there, there's a way to uh, create a business, something of value for, for other people. But I, when I finished the, uh, the direct sales after that 20 years of, and just being done with it, um, my goal was to stay home with my kids. But now my boys are 24, 23, and 15, and so the direct sales didn't really allow me to do that. So um, I just gave that all up and basically continued to work. Um, and when I was 42, uh, five years ago, I found myself 25 pounds overweight and, like, hopping and puffing up a flight of stairs. And I realized that, oh, my gosh, like, I'm 42, and these are my middle like middle of life years. And if I don't do something for myself, it's just going to get worse. So something clicked in my head and I didn't want to be middle-aged and frumpy. So I started um, doing CrossFit, not 
as they prescribed it, but I took some of their exercises and I just decided to eat like real foods and um, made up some of my own exercises and lost the 25 pounds in like 12 weeks. And I just kind of got really hooked on some of the CrossFit um, exercises and, you know, a huge one of them is the pull-ups. And so it was my goal to finally do a pull-up and it took me 10 months, but all of those months of pull-ups totally tore up my hands. Um, anyway, I created a Facebook page for my workouts because my friends started asking me what I was doing to get in shape. And so I made that page so that I could have accountability for myself and I posted my workouts on there. And I invited all my friends, whoever wanted to work out, to come join me because I did it in my garage at home. And so there was a point that we had like nine ladies in my garage gym. And um, anyway, long story short, my hands were like a complete mess. I was constantly blistering and ripping with the pull-ups and toe bars and rope climbs and everything else. So um, I just tried everything out there, gloves, and I made my own tape wraps and pads and chalk. And basically, um, there nothing existed that I really needed. And so um, the day that I slipped off of the pull-up bar and landed on my elbow on the ground with the day I really um, started to seriously think about a solution. And so um, actually I, I consider it like divine inspiration because I was actually thinking about what I really needed for my hands and for my grip and for the protection. I was kind of talking to God while I was kind of telling what I thought I would need. And um, some, it was just pretty cool because I was like instantly inspired to create this. And then it's just kind of been going full force ever since. That's awesome. So you already said that you had interest in home-based businesses. Sounded like you had a lifestyle in mind that you wanted to create. And have you created other products in the past? Have you thought about other kind of inventions that you wanted to pursue before? Or was this the first one? No, this is the first one. Um, I, you know, I always kind of had in the back of my mind, I'd like to do my own thing because I tried so many years, but I, I knew you had to have your own product, but I didn't actually go into this thinking, what kind of business do I want to start? You know, um, oh, CrossFit's a good industry. I should make something for that. It was actually out of my own personal experience and something that I needed, which is so funny because when you're in direct sales and you're in that whole industry, you know, all of the positive things that you listen to, it's all about following your dream and creating something and um, and I always thought, well, I don't have, I can't create anything. Um, but it wasn't until I had a problem of my own and I was able to solve it for myself and then, um, then just turned it into a business. Gotcha. So this direct sales experience, was this with your food services uh, business? No, no, that food service was ice cream. I used to get ice cream in the end of the store, but um, direct sales, I joined everything from 31, beauty control, Jusuru, it works, uh, H2O, Jamberry, everything. I mean, I just, I love the startup kit. And I believe in the model, but, you know, you just constantly have to be a seller. Even though they say it's just sharing, you really, you've got to sell a product. And um, with this, I mean, it, it solved, my my thing, it solves a problem. And I think that's the biggest difference. You don't have to talk somebody into 
not ripping their hands, you know? Yeah, I think, well, I, th- I want to talk a little bit more about this direct sales experience you have because I think it's a, it's almost like a, a common uh, starting point for a lot of entrepreneurs where they think about, I want to be able to generate some money on my own. I want to be able to maybe work on my sales skills or just, you know, just make some cash on the side even. So this was mm-hmm. a, a, a um, like you're saying, some kind of startup kit where you were, how, like, how were you finding uh, customers? Were they just like friends and family or what was your experience like trying to get, uh, you know, sales or trying to work in direct sales? Uh, basically, I started with my friends and family. And so you try to, you know, um, set up a party at one of their homes and they invite all of their friends. And so out of those parties, you really needed to book your next parties. Otherwise, you just wouldn't have a business. For me, it was getting out of my comfort zone and calling people. That was the hardest thing for me to do. But, you know, with, with most of them, I I made a little extra cash. And I know that the model works. I have funds that actually are succeeding and making a lot of money with that. But um, I think the goal of that is a lot of people want to, um, you know, work for themselves and have mm-hmm. that free time. But there was no free time with that because you're constantly... Um, trying to find prospects and trying to book parties and trying to keep the parties booked. So it was kind of exhausting for me. Um, but other people have a lot more success. <laughs> They're probably a little more um, outgoing than I am. I'm kind of like behind the scenes. Um, my Even my handband pro business right now, um, it's been really up until this point, um, strictly social, online, um, email. I don't really talk to anybody and it's getting to the point where I'm now um it's now time to step out and do some trade shows and events and, and things like that but um so that's probably my own fault because I do know the direct sales industry does work and they have a lot of great um products and um the the, uh, the inspirational things that go along with the direct sales industry um really helps people to um, become confident. So there are a lot of good things. And all my failures at that, everything that I learned, I'm using parts of that um, to run this business. So Mm -hmm. it was definitely a learning experience for me. Yeah, I'd love to go into that. And one thing I wanted to say before was that one of the great things about owning or running an online business is that it works really well for more introverted entrepreneurs, the ones that I think there's a lot more than people might um, think initially. They think, oh, you own a business, you have to be outgoing, you have to always put yourself out there. And, you know, yes, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely a route you can take. But now with the ability to build a business just by sitting at home or sitting in your own office behind a computer and not really having to talk to someone is definitely a change or a shift that you weren't able to do, you know, 10 years ago. So I think it's a really cool opportunity for, for, you know, everyone to get involved and start a business. Uh, So you were saying uh, about how a lot of your, the failures that, and your experience uh, from direct sales uh, translated to your current business. Can you talk a little bit about maybe skills or particular failures that you've learned from that you were able to, you know, that you knew that you had to get right or that you knew you had to use those lessons when you start a handband pro? Um, one of them, like I said, was getting out of my comfort zone and really just being able to speak with people. But um, understanding that not everybody needs or wants what you have to offer and having them say no to you is not a personal thing. That was the biggest thing. Um, so I want to actually talk about your this like transition that you made. So you had a career already. You had two careers that that were long lasting, 
um, you, and then you decide to make that jump to direct sales. And that sounds like the beginning of your, if you scratching your entrepreneurial itch. Was that a scary kind of jump for you? Like, what was that experience like when you decided, okay, I'm going to, you know, try this direct sales thing? And you know, obviously, it became a stepping stone for you to get to Handband Pro. But back then, you probably weren't able to see the the light at the end of the tunnel. Talk to us about your experience and that kind of jump that you made when you switched from a career to you know working in direct sales and and selling these products. Well, for me, it was kind of easy. I had the the luxury really um, of I've been married for twenty seven years, and after working in both teaching and um, the the ice cream store, um, then I started working out. Um, you know, the tail ends of working there. And um, it's just that day, that day that I created it and made my initial prototype out of fabric and tape and taped on the grip, I just knew that I wasn't going to do anything else. It's, it's hard to explain. Working at a job now to starting your own thing, and was it scary for you? It wasn't scary because um, I knew where the idea and the inspiration came from. So, once I started working on sourcing fabrics and meeting with local seamstresses and coming up with a prototype, um, everything kind of just moved forward, kind of effort, effortlessly. It was like um, I would work like 20-hour days just on this idea, and one thing led to another. And so um, for me, um, I had already stopped teaching um, several years ago, I think in 2007, Um but I was still managing the ice cream store, and it was it wasn't hard to leave, <laughs> honestly. Um, and I had the luxury of you know having my husband um, being my biggest support, and so transitioning from that to this was just just felt natural. Yeah, I think what you're saying about how it was pretty effortless, I think that's a, an important thing to point out because I feel like whenever I spend a lot of time planning that's when I get less things done. And when I spend more time just taking action, things just start falling into place, even if I don't know exactly where I'm going, you know, where exactly I want to get even. And if you just take action, it seems like you're, when you take action, like you create like almost like a, um, just remove a lot of friction for the universe to kind of make things fall into place for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it sounds like little, it doesn't make sense until you actually just start doing it. And then you start recognizing, wow, things are falling into place because I'm you know, putting myself out there and taking action. Absolutely. Yeah. So you built this um, product, obviously, because you needed it and it served the needs for you. Did you ever take it to test with the market or to test with other athletes or other people that were in uh, CrossFit? Like, how did you know that this would sell? How did you go from I'm building this for myself to now uh, other people might want to buy this from me? Uh, well, pretty much anybody who CrossFits has messed up hands. And like I said, I didn't actually have an intention of starting a business a business um, when I came up with this idea. But um, once I got the prototypes ready, I mean, I just took some fabric and some grip material and taped it up. It was pretty terrible looking. But my um, workout buddy and I um, tried them out and... I just knew even with the stuff, and I wasn't using the materials that we're actually using now. It's just the idea of it on the hand, the way it fit, but it was just one loop, one piece of fabric. Um, I didn't even have a doubt that it was going to work. Um, but once we had the prototypes, we, my friend and I just started working out with them for um, two months, like six days a week. We did all kinds of 
pull-up workouts, rope climbs, soda bar, and all those things that trash your hands. And for the two months, not, and neither of us had a blister or a rip. And so we basically validated the product ourselves, and we figured if it could work for us, then possibly it'll work for somebody else. But, so um, kind of went forward with um, getting a Shopify uh, website up, created all of that, and once um, once I launched, I mean, I actually had my first sale before I launched. I had put a post on Facebook, and I had my first sale um, May 4th, and we had launched on May 5th, so that was really cool. Um, so I just I just knew there was a, a need for it just out of my own need, you know. That's because great. It was getting so huge that... There's just so many people. And if you go on Instagram and Facebook and put in ripped hands, it's just a lot of gore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not going to do that. But <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that, that, uh, that you're able to, to, to kind of notice that there was an issue. And you, uh, how did you come up with the, the design? And like you said, that, I think you said that you worked with a local seamstress to get the prototype made. Like, can you walk us through, you know, that, that um, I guess that stage where you are trying to design the product and then get the prototypes made? Like what, 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 uh, what was involved? Um, basically I was looking for the perfect fabric. Well, actually for the complete design, I said it was inspiration. I had just gotten done working out. My hands were a mess. I was in the shower and I'm like, this is it. I'd fallen off the pull-up bar and I'm like, I was just talking to God and I'm like, I really would like something that protects my hands. And I kind of was going through what I thought would work, some kind of thin fabric, um, does it need to be kind of grippy? It just needs to be on the part of your hand where you need it. It doesn't have to be just kind of like talking in my head. And I got out of the shower and I'm kind of listing out all the things that has to be. But I said, God, please don't let me start something that is like a direct sales thing or, or a business. I don't want a business. I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my family's money on anymore. Because like I said, I was over the whole starting a business thing. Yeah. And so um, as a shower, I'm kind of going over my list in my head and talking to God about what I want. And in my drawer, I have this headband that was sitting there. And I'm like, yeah, kind of like a fabric like that and maybe a little grip material. And I had something else in my drawer that was kind of grippy. And all of a sudden, I took this band and I put it on my hand and, and it was on my hand, like the handband. So I'm like, wait, that's it. So it's kind of like... I didn't even know what I was doing. It was just on my hand, and it was kind of like, okay, there you go. So I ran downstairs, and I got my friend. I'm like, this is it, this is it. And so we just kind of, like, take some stuff up and tried it. You know, it just, like I said, one thing just kind of led to the other. But I had to source a bunch of material. I knew I needed a specific kind of fabric. I wanted it to be um, clean and green and, and antimicrobial, and it had to stretch and um, I was sourcing all, I spent so much money on fabrics and fabrics that didn't work. And I was stupid because um, instead of asking for samples, I would get like a whole yard and um, I spent a lot of money on wasted fabrics. So I have a closet full of things that I could probably sell on eBay, things I don't use. But um, finding the perfect grip was um, the biggest thing because that had to uh, be durable and it had to... Um, give you a better grip. And so I had all these criteria in my head and I just asked for samples, not samples, full size things and spent a bunch of money on sourcing products. But when I found 
and I couldn't find anybody to help me with a prototype. I called all kinds of companies in the U.S. and um, and I just couldn't find anyone. I kept putting out feelers, and um, my husband was like, "Why don't you look online and find somebody local? There's got to be somebody like here that sews that can help you make at least a prototype." So I did that, and I found a friend um, that she was able to do that for me, and um, she was so excited about it that she continued making them for me for the first year. And she did a really great job. Um, but I was still sourcing all the fabric. I was cutting all the fabric myself. I would give her the fabric and the cut grips, and she would she would sew them. I'd get them back, and I would sew on the label and sew on the buttonholes and package them and ship them and, and do all that. So it was a lot of um, labor on my part as well. So you said that you didn't want to waste any time again because you felt like you'd gone through this kind of gauntlet before of trying to start your own business and at the end of the day, it just didn't turn out the way you wanted. Did you ever encounter this kind of doubt again during the beginning stages of Handband Pro? Did you ever feel like maybe I am wasting my time? No, not once. Mm -mm. It's been, I mean, every day I wake up and it's this is what I do. And I totally believe in the product and the more reviews that I get and hear from people that are so amazed that their hands aren't whipping, it's just validation for me because I do know they work. And then to hear someone else say, oh my gosh, they do, um, that just keeps you on the fire. So it's been pretty cool. For sure. Definitely. So when you um, got this store live, you said that you actually got your first sale even before uh, you launched your store just through Facebook. So was that how you got your, let's say, next 100 sales? Did they all come from Facebook or which, what kind of marketing channels worked for you early on? Yeah, they all came from Facebook. Um, I didn't start advertising with Facebook for probably the first, after the first month, but I was finding groups on Facebook that had to do with fitness and CrossFit groups and this and that. And I wouldn't spam them, but I kind of got into the group and you know, started conversations with people and they kind of would find out about me or look at my profile and, um, you know, go to my website from there. So that was, that was a big thing in the beginning. And then I decided to advertise with Facebook and definitely that's where most of my um, sales have come from the first year. It doesn't seem to be that way anymore. And the first year, gosh, that's like where all my advertising and probably most of my profit went, but um, now I find that I'm reaching more people on Instagram and it just seems to be a little more personal to connect with people there. Gotcha. Um, so you said that you found like fitness groups on Facebook and start having conversations with people on there just to get them to, you know, learn more about you. And then I guess somehow find out about your store or maybe your own Facebook page. Is this, you know, this process doesn't sound you know, super scalable, which is, I guess is the reason why you went to ads. Is it something that you would do again if you were, let's say, to start another business to follow this route of finding, you know, general interest kind of Facebook groups and then just talking to people on there? Yeah, I would. Um, definitely with the groups, especially, um, you know, where everybody feels that um, Facebook, you're not really getting organic reach like we used to. And um, advertising, you can get kind of expensive. So anything that you can do for free and really connect with people is, um, you know, people, word of mouth is the best thing. And when you can um, create relationships with people. And that's what, you know, all, all the direct sales is about meeting people's needs, listening to them, and, you know, really just um, sharing. So 
it's that skill that I learned there, you know, you're not on there trying to sell, sell, sell. You're just offering a solution, basically, you know. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going the group route was a good idea. Right. So, so with the Facebook ads, you don't run those campaigns anymore, or is it that you just scaled down, or what's the? Uh, how do you use Facebook today? Um, I scaled way down. Um, running a business is totally new to me. So um, after the first year, going back into my Shopify reports and 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 looking at where all my money actually went, I was like, oh my gosh! But I, I I'm thankful for Facebook because that's where. It, it all started, and it, it really does well for me. But um, I scaled back a lot, and I just I'm figuring out how to do more um, kind of free ways of advertising with writing blogs and kind of communicating with people um, in different areas online instead of having to pay for everything. And actually, I've found that um, like the last six months, um, direct searches have bypassed. Um, the Facebook traffic, um, and also Google search comes in next. So people are starting to recognize the brand, I guess. So that's great. Yeah, I think that that's the uh, the best way, best uh, free kind of uh, traffic and sales just from people that recognize your brand already and just go straight to you. Um, so you so you said that there were now kind of free ways of advertising. You're focused on uh, you know writing blogs and on Instagram. Can you talk a little bit about how the maybe the traffic from Instagram, let's say, that goes to your Instagram profile? How do you get them to come to your store and end up you know purchasing? Like, what's that that funnel like for you? Yeah, that's really hard to know because there aren't really any analytics on the Instagram side. Um, I I was listening to Chris on your podcast yesterday or the day before mm-hmm. from Bexport and um, and I've been using some of his ideas and so I don't have a huge following on Instagram but it's increasing and it's just really nice to be able to communicate with people at a more personal level on there and create relationships but as far as seeing if they're coming from Instagram I don't really know how to tell that you know I really don't. Yeah, definitely one of the downsides of using Instagram is you can only have one link, first of all, in your entire, mm-hmm. you know, presence on Instagram. And it's, uh, you know, it's trackable, but sometimes people may just see your, your post and then they might not come directly from your Instagram. They might go on their computer and log in and, and go to your site. So it's, there's a lot of kind of... Um, um, vagueness, I guess, to to how many sales you're actually getting or how much traffic you're getting from Instagram. Um, yeah. But you said that uh, you're you like Instagram more because it sounds like a more intimate medium for you to communicate with your your customers and your 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 audience. Is the style of content that you're creating that that you use on Facebook? Because you know, on Facebook, you have thirty five, I think, thousand or almost uh, thirty two thousand fans on Facebook. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you, you know, obviously you invest a lot of time into growing that fan base. How how is mm-hmm. the content different on Facebook versus content that you would create for Instagram? It's actually not very different. Um, but I found that with Instagram, it's like those that follow me, I get a lot more views and interaction than um, organic Facebook like traffic. You know, you'll post something on Facebook and I'll get like 40 views and I'm like, but I have 32,000 people on my page, but everybody knows, everybody's feeling that. So the organic reach is not there. It just seems like it's reaching more people on Instagram, um, naturally. 
I see just because um, there's like no kind of filtering involved with Instagram. If you follow somebody, you're going to see their stuff. It's not exactly. like an algorithm behind it. That makes a lot of right. sense. Cool. So in terms of um, running the business now, you said that you are doing this like in-house, right? For the first year, you had uh, the local seamstress that you're working with before and uh, she was she's doing your, she was doing your, all of your, I guess your products and all your, anything to anybody buy something. She was the one that was putting this together for the first year? Yeah. Yeah, she was. And then, yeah, the sales kind of outgrew her ability to keep it up. So I was having to outsource find another production facility. Right. What was that What was that transition like? You know, because initially you were, you know, working with somebody, you could see the products being made right in front of you, and now you are going to transition to um, a manufacturer that's outsourced. What was that uh, transition like? Um, it was kind of sad for both of us because we became really good friends, but um, she was awesome, and she knew that it was going to come to that point. And when I first approached her, um, she said, Danielle, you're going to outgrow me pretty quickly. So, you know, do what you have to do. And, um, she gave me her blessing, which was awesome. But, um, and then to transition to, um, a bigger facility, it's been actually seamless. I mean, the, the people that I'm working with, um, it didn't take them. I mean, they just helped me every step of the way. They've been really great. How did you, um, how are you able to find them? Did you have like a list of manufacturers that you wanted to work with and then tested them out or? That was really difficult because I, like before I even found um, the woman I was working with, I was searching, searching. I put out so many um, inquiries to local, you know, businesses in the U.S. And I kept getting rejection letters. No, we can't do that. You're not big enough. Um, we're not interested. And I'm like, okay. So um, I I was approached by a company that um, makes sporting goods and I actually was buying some product from them uh, for other purpose. And they, they said, Hey, well, how about if we can make your handbands too? And I was like, I was hesitant, but then it all, like, like we said before, everything kind of just gets revealed to you as you need it. And um, one thing led to another and started having conversations with them and learned that I, I did trust them and, then they they've been really great with creating the first prototypes and shipping for free and and doing everything to make me happy and so it's been a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so how successful is the business today? You know, you've been in business for I guess this is your going to be the start of your second full year. Um, and sharing numbers that you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, it's it's growing. Um, for me, I'm really happy with it because it's. Money is not the most important thing for me. And actually, I wanted to mention, um, I'll go back to the figures in a second, but I wanted to say that um, two months after I launched, I got an email from this girl named Ruby, and she was telling me how much she liked the handbands for her wheelchairs, for a wheelchair, because um, she was having trouble putting gloves on and off, and um, they were, you know, just fully binding, and she liked that they were easier to put on and off. They didn't cause her hands to sweat. And she really liked the colors and the designs. Well, I posted her picture on Facebook with her review. And I started getting emails and messages from all these amazing people asking about Handband Pro. And I say they're amazing because these are people in wheelchairs who are doing things like surfing, playing rugby, hiking, rock climbing, skydiving, and all kinds of stuff. And they have such amazing inspirational stories. And I was like, I was blown away. 
Like, did you know that there's over 3 million wheelchair users in the United States? No, I mean, that's, I, yeah, that's... It's huge. I had no idea. And there's so many people dealing with um, and overcoming physical obstacles. And uh, the ones I was hearing from, despite their health issues, they're thriving and doing, like, physical things that a lot of able people just don't do. And um, I started looking into this, and then I learned that just, like, less than 20% of wheelchair users are unemployed. So I'm reading all these amazing stories and I'm really getting humbled by the fact that I complain after leg day and say I can't walk. And then here's these people that really can't and they're still doing these amazing things. So um, I started sending these out for free to those people that were contacting me. And then I realized um, I can't really continue to do that or I wouldn't have a business to to support it. And so I created um, a mission where um, create a sponsorship program where someone that relies on a wheelchair or crutches or a walker for mobility, they can request a sponsorship. And I post their photo and their story on our sponsor. I have a separate sponsor store on the handgun pro page. And I post it on our social sites like Facebook and ask for a sponsor. And then anyone can choose to sponsor them. It's a reduced price. It's like half the price. We pay for half. And we also pay for the shipping for um, that person to sponsor. And anyone who sponsors also gets a $5 gift card to Handband Pro. They can use it anytime. But what's really cool is that I was seeing total strangers, you know, step up and say they want to sponsor somebody. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's been really awesome. So, you know, to really create something that's a value to somebody that that's how I consider my business a success. Um, the numbers for me are pretty cool. I um, launched last year in May. And so from May to December, we had a sales of 87500 And uh, last year was ninety six six. So it's growing a little bit. But I try to look at the numbers. Some days I, I do really great. And then some days I'm like, do I really have a business? You know? <laughs> but... Um, but it's all good. It's all, um, I'm working for, um, the value that I can create for other people. So that's what keeps me going, not the numbers. Yeah, that's great that, well, that's great that you, you know, have this sponsorship program. And I, I just took a look at your, your site earlier and I noticed that you have this section called uh, the sponsor store, which is really awesome. And I, I guess that's what you're talking about that allows people to purchase, you know, these products for, for others that, that need it. Um, yeah. So, you know, and it was also great that you're starting to see the results of your work and that it's actually growing over time. And, you know, speaking of this kind of day-to-day almost like a roller coaster where you're thinking like, yeah, today's great. I'm, you know, the sales are going up, business is going great. The next day, you know, there's a dip in the sales and all of a sudden you question everything about whether this is a business or not, <laughs> like you're saying. Uh, how do you, I guess, uh, course correct from that? Like when you're thinking about, I guess, the, the self-doubt and these kind of more negative thoughts, how do you, I guess, uh, bring pull yourself out of it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I pray because some days I'm just like, what am I doing? I have no idea how to run a business. And then I just have to talk myself down, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, some, you have better days and you have some other days that are just like, I don't know. I think that, and I don't want my happiness to, to be, um, dependent on whether I have a good day in mm-hmm. sales or not. And it's not, for me, it's not the money coming in. For me, it's like, oh, somebody likes it. Somebody wants it, you know? Um, so that's, that's a good feeling, but 
everything that I'm reading about building a business, some of the things I've heard on your blogs and your podcasts, um, it's pretty much don't give up. Just keep doing it. And I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and I feel that there's a need for it. So um, whether or not I have a good day um, with sales, it's okay. This is what I'm doing, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think one great thing I've heard before from um, from someone was that it's not who's best, it's who's left, right? Whoever can stick it out the longest, yeah. it's like almost a game of attrition. Like, how can you how, how can you figure out the ways to hold on the longest? Because a lot of people drop out way before you know maybe they they choose they themselves choose to drop out before they actually have to. And yeah, and a good thing about another. Uh, a great point you brought up was about how you don't pay attention to the numbers and you don't, uh, you know, make your happiness dependent on the numbers because there's a significant lag between the work that you put into your business and the results, mm-hmm. right? Just because you spend, right. uh, you know, there's obviously certain things like if you pay for, you know, Facebook ads, whatever, you can drive traffic immediately. But for a large part, the, the day, the time you put into your into your work, you're not going to see the numbers spike up the next day when you look at your report. It's going to take much longer than that. That. So if you spend exactly. too much time paying attention to numbers every day, then you could actually be led in the wrong direction because the results uh, that you're seeing were affected by things, you know, way much longer uh, in the past. So, you know, I think that's a really good point that you shouldn't stay focused on the numbers, whether it means your revenue numbers, your email list, you know, your Instagram following. Yeah, you shouldn't pay attention to them on a day-to-day basis. Um, exactly. So, you know, speaking of day-to-day, talk to us about like what your day-to-day is like when you wake up in the morning and you step into your, you know, work mode, like talk to us about what your, your day looks like. Um, I typically spend the first hour on Facebook and Instagram and communicating with people there. Uh, I found this really great um, app. It's not associated with Shopify, but it's called Edgar, and it helps me to um, to plan and post Socially, because I was finding I was spending way too many hours on um, mm. posts and, and, and keeping up with that. But Edgar keeps a, a, a library of my posts, and so I can go in there and I'll spend an hour, um, you know, doing that or with Instagram, and I'll just create posts. So I'll create like ten a day, and it'll go into my library, and then I can schedule when I want this type of post to go out, whether it's a promotional post or a lifestyle post or something funny. Um, I don't have to think about, I can say, okay, Monday at nine o'clock, an inspirational meme club on my Facebook page. So I spend some time creating that content. Um, and then um, I, I print out my sales and invoices and just start getting product packages and ready to ship out um, orders that come in before 12 get shipped that same day. So I really pride myself on getting them quickly. Um, out to the customers. Um, and of course, I spend an hour working out every day. Otherwise, I'm just sitting at the computer, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, and so uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of learning about SEO and marketing. I found that, you know, because I was able to outsource the production, I still do sew the buttonholes on. So I, I do spend a portion of my day upstairs in my sewing room. Um, doing that and packaging products and stuff. But I'm spending more time now trying to figure out how to build a business and restructure my website and figure out how to, you know, really how to convert the traffic. The biggest portion probably of my day now is learning still. 
Right. Yeah. So uh, you know, one thing that you're saying was about the uh, Edgar app and things like meetedgar.com. Big fan of that app as well. I use it myself and highly recommend it for anybody that creates uh, evergreen content, right? Content that you can that doesn't go old, you know, quickly. Yeah. And because, yeah. you know, when we create content, we sometimes will just share it once or maybe twice on, on a couple different uh, platforms. But the kind of, uh, and we were discussing this a little bit earlier, is that the organic reach in most places are just so low that mm-hmm. maybe only 5% of your followers on Twitter or Facebook actually see your tweets, your, your updates the first time you send it out. So Edgar is a really great way to just consistently repost the content that you've created and schedule all out to. It's almost like if you use Buffer before, it's like almost like a, a more powerful version of Buffer in my opinion. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, this goes back to, uh, this goes to, another point that I wanted to make was about uh, content, right? When you create content, I think you might want to actually spend more time promoting it than creating the content. Because again, if you're creating content and no one's reading it, then it's not that useful. But if you're able to get your content in front of people, then that's when you're actually going to be able to generate the traffic and and sales. So I think in general, most people spend uh, not enough time uh, promoting their content. I think Edgar is one Mm. great way to automate that, um, that process. Um, so speaking of apps, like what other tools and apps do you rely on maybe from Shopify app store or outside of Shopify app store that, that you use to run your business? Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Before I found out that there was an app store in Shopify, I was like, there's no way I can keep doing all this stuff by myself. And so, um, when I discovered the app store, it's like having personal assistants that do these jobs for me and it's totally mm-hmm. free up my time. I use orderly print for my packing list. And I like how I can customize them and include information about hand info. And um, also on those packing slips, I mentioned about the hand Pro um, wheelchair sponsorship so that it's another way for them to figure out how to um, help someone else. And then I use Shipping Easy for printing the shipping labels. And uh, I don't want to say anything bad about stamps.com because it's a great um, service, but it was so manual for me. And that's what I was using in the beginning and, um, you know, Shipping Easy just grabs all my orders from Shopify and it prints them all at once in the same order that my packing list for now. So, um, and then I use Aftership, which is really awesome because um, before when I was using stamps.com, I didn't have any tracking information to send to my customers. And I was constantly getting calls or, you know, emails and inquiries about where their order is. And so Aftership sends them a series of, emails as it's getting delivered to them, they know exactly where it is at all times. And I'm able to customize those emails. So I put a video in there about how to use Kanban Pro and kind of give them some tips before it even gets to them so that they have a really good idea how to use them before they even get to their doorstep. I use Kit. And um, with Kit, uh, I, I do my Facebook ads now through Kit. And I can do some Instagram ads through there as well. And definitely the ads that I run through Kit get the most views and and the highest return um, than if I did it by myself through Facebook. I don't know what they do, but they take like your entire, um, they take your Shopify customer, they take your Facebook people, and they, they do magic. And then they it just gets a lot more traffic that way through Kit. And then um, for email marketing, keeping in touch with my customers and with newsletter subscribers, I use Remarketing. And they also have the pop-up that I can use to collect the email addresses 
on my site um, because I do a monthly giveaway for a free pair uh, for anyone who signs up for my newsletter. I think those are the those are the main apps that I use. I would definitely not be able to run the business uh, efficiently without those. I'm really thankful for those app developers. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like a, a, at least a one full-time person that you would have to hire to do all of these things that the apps automate for you. So I think uh, definitely recommend anybody that, that if you have the, the, the means or the funds to do it, definitely automate as much of your business as possible just because it's, you know, it obviously has been saving you, Daniel, a ton of time. And also, you don't have to think about this anymore. You don't have to constantly you know, think about, oh, am I going to print out the right orders like print out the right uh, shipping pack shipping labels and all that you don't have to have that kind of consume your your mind space um so you were saying earlier about how you spend most of your day or a lot of your day now learning about um how to convert your traffic um have there been any changes that you made to your store recently that have had a big impact on your conversion rate i do things pretty frequently every time i enjoy your blogs and your podcast and actually every time i've heard or read one, I come away with like at least one actionable tip that I can use. And so I put those into place and I've always seen positive results. Um, the one thing that I'm thinking that sticks out in my mind is changing my color. When I first um, created my site, I want, I just love the color, the deep color purple and black. And um, after I read, I think one of your blog posts about color or something, um, I went through my website and changed it all, especially the color of the buy buttons and the purchase buttons and things that really needed to stick out. And so definitely saw um, my biggest impact was changing that, um, the colors, the colors, the color scheme. There's something about, I think the color web that makes people want to buy or there's mm-hmm. a feeling that. of scarcity or something. So when I read that one, I was like, okay, I'll give that a try. And, <laughs> made a difference yeah i mean as long as you can test the result test in a b test at all and just be able to see what your conversions were before and then after implementing something you can always consistently test and over time your your store just becomes way way or converts way better just because you spend so much time making all these small tweaks and they they all add up to increase your conversion rate um, yeah. So, you know, what's in store for the remainder of this year? You know, this is, I guess, your um, third year in business, maybe your second full year, you know, after you started in May 2014. Uh, what are the plans for, for this year? Uh, my plans are to get um, marketing materials ready for uh, events and trade shows and CrossFit uh, competitions. I really need to get out there. And um, I've been, you know, donating and sponsoring events, local events, and even out-of-state events. And um, they've been using Hands-On Pro as prizes for their placers. But um, it's really good out there. I felt like in the beginning, everything kind of just snowballed so quickly, and I was just trying to keep my head above water, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have any time to do that. So now my focus this year is to really just get out there and um, be doing the physical aspect of it, you know, and setting up the booths and meeting people face-to-face, which I have to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll you're, you're do uh, amazing. So, you know, thanks so much for coming on, Daniel. Handbandpro.com, H-A-N-D-B-A-N-D-P-R-O.com is the, the website, the store. Anywhere else you recommend the listeners check out if they want to follow along with uh, what you're doing? Oh, the Facebook.com, Handbandpro. Um, Instagram is Handbandpro underscore LLC. 
And then on Twitter and Pinterest with the Winning Handband Pro. Awesome. Thanks so much, Danielle. Thank you, Felix. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com for a free 14-day trial.